0: Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. We are a small church located in West Lafayette, Indiana. This podcast is our recorded Sunday morning teachings. Join us as we learn to love, grow, and share what God has given us. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here today. Um, I'm Chris Biang, and I'm going to be doing the first teaching in a two-part series. Next week is Fred and Penny um, taking care of any mistakes I made today. So they're gonna clean it up. So anyway, um, one of the things we're gonna do here is look at foundational verses that are part of the inside of a Christian. So we're not gonna just talk about the brain alone or cognitive issues but a little bit more about another arena within us that God is very interested in. One of the things he said in the Old Testament, I think it's in Chronicles somewhere, he says, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to support one whose heart is completely his. And so I'm thinking of God's buzzing around, looking all over to see if anybody has an interior heart which they have given to him and that they're keeping track of, that they're purifying, they're guarding. Um, and so this is something that doesn't come up a whole lot in our growing up years. We don't talk about the heart a whole lot. We just talk about you know, tests and schooling and all this kind of thing cognitively but there's a whole different arena that is there that God looks to that has a big influence on how we live and kind of what the fruit of our lives are or is. So anyway, um, why don't we pray, because this might be a new topic for some of you, And, and if it's an old topic, to pray that you might learn something new. Anyway, so let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today that you have created us with um, so many different facets. And and then as believers, you give us the Holy Spirit who adds a whole other arena to our lives. And so we want to become aware of how this works. We want to become aware of um, how to be more like our Savior, that our hearts could be presented to you Um, in a pure way without massive amounts of selfishness or anger or fear or anxiety, but one that's just resting on you. And so help us today as we go through your word to start getting an idea of what you're looking for. Amen. Okay, so some of you um, have some sheets. I have slides printed on those sheets so you don't have to write these verses down. Um, But if you have notes, you can write them down. Does anybody need one of those? Because we can pass more out. Nope, okay. Um, So let's turn to 1 Timothy 4.16. And I've recently thought more about this verse because it talks about both arenas. It says, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing so, or as you do this, you will ensure, that's a pretty cool word, ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. So what I think of the verse, or this verse is kind of a promise about how our behavior can influence who we are and how we can change, but it'll also ensure that we're going to be helping other people. And Th- one of the things that happened when I became a Christian is I started thinking about, okay, now I'm going to heaven. I wasn't last week. I'm going this week or whenever you know I die. I'm going to be there. But what about all my friends? So I, I wanted to ensure that I would be fruitful in their lives by sharing with them good news as well. This verse says that. It says pay close attention to yourself. So that means... It doesn't mean become introspective about everything, but it means to have an internal radar on that you're aware of your insides and how your insides affect or influence your outside. And so here, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching, and I think that's one that Christians in this country do, pretty well. We all have access to so much information about the Christian life. We have printed Bibles. We can have really good um, understanding of God's word in our teachings, in our personal convictions from which our teachings would come. So when I come up here, I want to make sure whatever I share or teach is biblically accurate because I don't want to lead people astray. So I want to pay close attention to myself and to the teachings. And then it goes on, it says, persevere in these things, for in doing so you will ensure, I've, I just like that, salvation, both for yourself. That doesn't mean going to heaven, salvation. It means, sal- salvation as a word means that you are being freed from the ways of the world, and you're going to be more and more holy and Christ-like in your behavior. So it's a transformation of character to be one where God is more a part of your life as you live it out, which is an amazing thing. And so why this is important, um, I was thinking about some of these ideas when my family was getting started. I have five kids, and my wife has gone on to be with the Lord. But in the middle of that, I thought, do I want my five kids— to grow up and love Jesus. And I thought, yeah. And I realized that they didn't only look at what I said, but they looked at who I was. And was I living out what I talked about? Because they wanna follow an example. My early life in high school, I was looking around at my parents' friends, and I thought, they are a bunch of moral people that are wonderful people, but when it comes to following Christ, I didn't see it. They they mouthed words, but they didn't do anything. And so then I rejected the whole thing because I was looking also at example. So here, when we're looking at this verse, we can ensure salvation not just for ourselves, that we're going to grow, but also for those who hear us so that our Close friends, roommates, people at work are gonna see that our life is different and they're gonna be interested. And so it doesn't take much to get people interested if they're aware that their philosophy is not working. They may go, okay, who's got something better than what I have that works? And they watch us. So anyway, First Corinthians or First Timothy four sixteen is a good one to memorize. Now, in this most of you in here are Purdue students or recently graduated or somewhere. And if you look back at your high school years, most of you slid through high school pretty easily. You've been blessed with an intellect, <coughs> excuse me, that that is superior than a lot of your compatriots. So a lot of you kind of <coughs> excuse me, a lot of you went through life without a whole lot <coughs> of trouble. You get to Purdue, and you find out everybody here is like you. They're smart. And you are in competition now where you weren't before. Before, you could just slide through. I had a friend in another state. He got a perfect score. I think it was his ACTs. And he got to college, lasted one term, and dropped out, or maybe was put out, because he was with other people that were really intelligent. He couldn't slide on what he had in his head. But what was in his life was not enough. And so he ended up without discipline, without different things. And so he, he had some problems. So here's some of the things that we need to look at when we pay close attention to ourselves. <clears throat> Is our life filled with procrastination? And here's my little joke. Some of you don't have that yet because you've been putting it off. Um, but that was a joke. OK, Ruth smiled. Great. Thank you. I hope this helps. My voice is kind of going out on me. Some of you some of you have anxiety, worry, fear as a part of just in your background. These are things that are there. These are emotions. Some of you also have um, other issues like different addictions. Maybe some of you have a simmering anger at people in your family or in your past. All these things are a part of what you have inside and they will influence you. Now, do you have to be stuck with this the rest of your life? No. You can rid yourself of some of those things. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we want to ensure that we are growing and not being um, slowed down by our emotional issues or our baggage. So let's look at the next area here it's an example. I'm going to try to explain this better than I did the last time. In uh, 1980, <clears throat> G.M., General Motors came out with a new engine called a variable cylinder engine. It was variable cylinder management. And what it meant was that in the car, there was eight cylinders, and they would turn off different cylinders or turn them on depending on the needs and the usage of the vehicle in order to save on gas. It didn't work out really well technologically, but that concept is still around in other automobiles. So let's take for example that in your life you have a four-cylinder engine and that's what you've got to run on. <clears throat> and so yeah, here at Purdue you're running on you know your four-cylinders. Some of you, because of a lot of character issues inside and things that are bothering you, you're only running on two cylinders. You don't have a lot of space. Some of you are pretty brilliant, and you're just running on one because you don't need to worry about anything else. You know, there's, there's just different things in our lives that we have running on that. So compare ourselves to this engine, <clears throat> but then when a person comes to Christ, there's a whole new concept, and it's like <clears throat> God adds four more cylinders to your engine. So here we had a four, now we have four more. And he moves in, and he's trying to influence us to be more like himself, more like Christ. And we need to learn how to work with Jesus in our lives. I'm equating Jesus and the Holy Spirit together here. And so how many cylinders are we using? Are we using everything that we have? Well, that's kind of the goal, is to be the most efficient that we can And so accessing that would be helpful then to look at another verse in Romans 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. So that would be like, oh God, thank you that I got into Purdue and I didn't have to go to IU. Okay, that would be one of the things that you're thinking more highly of yourself. And basically, it means we're we don't really know who we are or what our strengths are. And he says here that he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. So you are who you are, and you may have a different view of who you are, but it may not be accurate, as God is allotted to each measure of faith. And so I was reading this verse and I was thinking about how do I grow <clears throat> in being more of effective in my personal life and my as my, my fatherhood and I thought well I should probably do a survey so I gave my kids a survey one of the questions was what do you want Chris, to do, your dad to do and he won't get mad at you for telling him <laughs> cuz some dads will go I don't want to hear that stuff what are you saying that you know and they wrote out interesting things and one of the things that came back at me which was a surprise to me and that's why I did this survey is they said um, dad you you get angry I go, "No, I don't so that's where I <laughs> didn't have sound judgment and I thought to myself you've never really seen me angry because I used to be more angry and I ended up when I was a little kid throwing a toy against the wall and it broke. And I said, I'll never do that again. And so I never allowed myself to demonstrate anger, but I would take my anger when I got ticked off at something in the household. When you have five kids, you can get angry all the time. And I got angry. <clears throat> I would go to my office and sit down with the Lord and go, okay, God, I'm angry. and But the kids all knew I was in there because I was working on my anger. And so they were tiptoeing around, you know, Dead angry. And, and so um, I wanted to take the log out of my, we'll look at that verse in a minute, but I wanted to purify my heart so that I wasn't running on the basis of anger, that anger wasn't a part of our family. And I didn't want to ever quarrel or have that. And so taking that survey, one of the good things was, I think Tom put this in, he said, you need to take us out to breakfast more often, which I used to do. And each one of the kids, I would go out to eat. And we'd go to these little Mexican places and have some cool breakfasts. And it was just really fun. But there was little things they brought up. I thought, okay, I need to work on this stuff. And it forced me to look inside because I wanted to be a good example to the kids. Okay, So one day I read this verse, Genesis 4 4. This is in the beginning here, <clears throat> Cain and Abel, and that they brought sacrifices to the Lord. And this is what I'll read. And C- Abel, on his part, brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain, <clears throat> for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. Okay, let's just stop there. He's got angry. He's, he's got anger in his heart. And his countenance fell. So ask yourself, what is a countenance? And I go, I think I know what it is. But I looked it up, and what it is kind of saying is that it's like face, that you If you lose your countenance, you've lost your face. And so if you have a nice, pleasant demeanor or face, and you're kind of going through your day, and somebody comes up to you and says something mean to you or reminds you of something where you're pretty weak, you might lose your countenance. So, And then it goes on, it says here, the Lord said this, which I think is really interesting because he wanted Cain to go poke around inside he said, why are you angry? <laughs> why is your countenance fallen? And God was probing him to think about this. And then if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So there's a little problem here that we can look at. So I was in my office up in Glen Ellen, Illinois, <clears throat> and... On the way home, I thought, you know, I'm going to pay attention to this countenance stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to be aware when my countenance changes so I can poke around and see why. What was it that triggered that? So I'm driving down Roosevelt Road, going home, listening to WGN radio, and all of a sudden I felt my countenance change. You know, oh, that's pretty weird. Roosevelt Road must be bad. No, it wasn't Roosevelt Road. On the radio, the guy said something that made me feel guilty because it reminded me of something I had failed to do that I had promised to do. And that's when I started to realize that our emotions and our beliefs are tied together. And what we believe And so I believed I was gonna do this. I didn't, I felt guilty when I didn't. I thought, okay, this changed my countenance and I need to alleviate the causative issue, which was not doing what I should. So I went and did what I did, my countenance got lifted up. But it made me more aware that I need to be aware of countenance changes. And so measuring our countenance is a tremendous um, thing. Now, the other day I was talking to one of the pastors here. His name is Tom. And um, he told me that what he really appreciated about looking at the world of emotion and, and the heart is how it's divided into three factors. So if you're kind of joyful, you're probably believing good things. And so you might have love, joy, peace, patience, kindly, goodness, faithfulness, all that stuff because you're trusting the Lord and the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, you might have really um, bad emotions because you're not believing the right stuff. So, <clears throat> if you, so there's a word called getting triggered. So if you get triggered by an event or a thought, it's usually based on the fact that you you have something in your past that came up that you don't like. And so bad emotions or unhealthy emotions usually are pointing at the fact that you have a belief in your heart that isn't necessarily good. And, and so there's truth with good emotions. There's lies with bad emotions. And then the third character, category is the truth with bad emotions. So truth with bad emotions usually is based on um, something that was grievous or sad, which are true things. So um, like if your grandfather or grandmother died, that's a true thing. And you would feel sad about that. But that's a different way to look at um, what's going on emotionally. So we need to discern that. So with these things, then we look at James 4 8. Okay, so in this, um, I'm going to talk about being double minded. And it says here, um, oops, got to turn to it. This might be one of the shortest teachings on record. Um, <clears throat> Somewhere I lost my page. Okay. It says, draw near to God. Okay, that's kind of a cool thing. So sometimes we're kind of alone and we're praying and we want to get closer to God. And he will draw near to you. So it's kind of a cool thing that he promises to respond. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it just stops right there. And what what it is, is um, you may have some active sin in your life. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. And you need to put a stop to that in your head. Just say, you know, God, that's an area that's not good. I need to turn away from that because that's pulling me away from your holy character. And I, I want to really do this sin, but then I can't be close to you because you don't want sin, and so I need to change. So we cleanse our hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So have you ever been aware that you might be double-minded? And that means you have two opinions or two beliefs on the same topic. So you may um, know that God has cleansed you, he's made you a new creature, and that old things have passed away, new things have come, that you have been um, forgiven of all your sins, and then in, in the bottom of your heart you go, but, that's the big word, but but I'm still troubled by what I did. With, let's just use sexual sins. Maybe you have a past with that, and you're going, well, God can't forgive me because I was involved here, or this happened to me. And so we have a double mind thinking that one thing is true for all Christians except me because this happened. And God is wanting to say that I want you to purify your heart and believe what is true, not what you believe in your heart. And then it, with the new truth, that'll just be part of who you are. And so just backing up a little bit, <clears throat> if I was the devil— I would prey on your naivety or your youth by when you have a difficult thing going on in your, your childhood, I would whisper little things to you that you might believe. And those become a part of your life. And only God can really work at removing that from your life so that your life is based on truth. Because truth works. Lies don't work. So if we don't deal with these areas in our life, you know what we love to do? <clears throat> we love to feel bad, don't we? No, we we don't, and we don't know what to do about it, so we cover it up. And so whenever we feel bad, a lot of people will cover it up with hunting, with fishing, with flying kites, I don't know if they do that, um, but... Alcohol, drugs, all these are solutions to pain. And if those solutions are there, we are not really dealing with reality. We're just covering up bad stuff. And so I think of it as, let's say my son and I are working on chopping trees down the backyard. And he swings the axe back pretty far and it hits my arm and chops a big hole in it. <clears throat> and your typical being, that's my last name, um, health arena would be, oh, let's get some tape and put it on there. So we go get a roll of duct tape, stick it on my arm, and then after a couple weeks, it's starting to smell kind of bad and festering and stuff. I'm making this more illustrative so some of you girls will listen. And so it's really festering and it's terrible. And I go, oh, we got to do something. So Tom comes over and he goes, hey, I got some gauze. So we wrapped it up, and now it's like a really big wad of gauze. In but after another couple of weeks, it's, what are they called, supernating or something? Yeah, it's coming out. And, and by this time, Andrew notices it because he used to be a paramedic. And he's going, Chris, you're, you've you got some problems over here. And I go, yeah, we should put more tape on. So then there's about this much bandage on that. And finally, somebody says, Chris, you got to deal with that. And I go, I'm not going down there because it smells. But finally, I go either that, because now I can't use my arm anymore. So my whole life is affected by my covering up my sins or my issue. And so I need to find a way to get all that tape off of there and and get healing in that area. And that's kind of what Fred and Penny are going to talk about next week, how they have practically worked on their life. Because no two lives are the same. Um, and there's going to be different issues. So, somewhere, I have another verse here. Hebrews, no, Matthew 7, 3. Okay. So this is where you're with somebody and they irritate you. Has that ever happened to any of you people that you've been irritated by anybody? Yeah. You, you, nobody puts their hand up around you. A lot of people that know me could use me as an example. i <laughs> irritating. And, So you've got somebody that irritates you and you get kind of mad and you're thinking, why don't you just grow up or why don't you stop doing that? And it says here, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So here, we're we're given instruction by Jesus about how to deal with interpersonal relationships and it starts out with, you notice a a thing that is an issue. But before you talk to that person, you go back and look at yourself and you go, why isn't it an issue? And you might have some bad attitudes or some anger that's pushing this, then maybe you need to confess that to the Lord and and deal with it. And then, is it still an issue? It might be, but it should be that you go to them not for your sake, but you go to them for their sake. One of the things I used to think about with this is I go, okay, this person is irritating, but... I'm not gonna go to them because I'm irritated. I'm gonna go to them because they have a whole lot of other friends that they irritate as well. And they need to deal with this so they can be a more loving person. And so it's an area that I think we need to kind of look at, um, how are we doing in our heart? Okay, so, (coughs) back to our engine analogy here, which you're also excited about. we need in our lasting stop, steps to using all our cylinders. So most of you are aware that you had a four-cylinder engine, and then you come to Christ and you have access to another four cylinders, but learning how to integrate all that requires some work. Purifying our hearts will allow the Holy Spirit to have more access to our life. If we're still consumed with anger and Jealousy and all those kind of things. There's not a lot of room for the Holy Spirit to work. So the Holy Spirit then gives grace when you humble yourself. So what that means is that we all have a self. That's who we are. And if we're always pushing ourselves to the forefront or in different things in relationships, we aren't going to have grace. But if we humble ourselves and defer when it's appropriate to other people, God's going to give you grace. God gives grace to the humble. And I think it's a cool deal to get grace, you know, for operating throughout the week. Okay. Um, and then we enable the Holy Spirit when we have faith-based obedience. When he says, hey, I want you to go talk to this person or this relative here at Christmas. And you go, okay, but God, you got to help me, <laughs> you know, because I'm shy. He will give you Grace. And then we engage the Holy Spirit in our life when we trust him daily. So I, generally speaking, when I wake up in the morning, I go, okay, God, I'm on your team. What do we do? And I want to read the word and pray just to know what he's got in store for me. So we want to have him engaged in our life so we take advantage of him. It's pretty soon you'll find that you're going to be running on a lot more cylinders, and you're going to ensure not only salvation for yourself with your own personal growth, but salvation for those who hear you. And you'll find more people coming to Christ from your um, relationships, your family, from work, because they will notice that you're different, and they're going to ask questions. And I think there's nothing better than when you die to have some of these people in heaven a little ahead of you, just going, hey, thanks for sharing. Thanks for giving your life. And part of that is just that we're more aware of what's going on inside so we can take full advantage of all that God has given us. So let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you today that you have given us more than we could ask or think. And having these extra cylinders, in a sense, by the Holy Spirit is just wonderful, and we pray you'd help us to learn how to take advantage of what you offer, that we wouldn't just be stuck in ruts the rest of our life and just relying on our mind, but we'd let you deal with anxieties and um, fears and different things that plague us, that we would be free and not bothered. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website, wlgrace.org. See you next week.